The Tablet Show, Episode 9, with guest Atlee Hunter. Recorded live Friday, December 2nd, 2011. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Atlee Hunter about his experiences building Android applications. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. This is Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell, a spinoff of .NET Rocks. Just for tablet development. Hey, Richard. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. So I've had tablets wandering around my house. You know, I've got the Build tablet. Right. And I threw uh, Windows 8 onto my PDC-09 convertible. Oh, how did that work? Uh, Win 8 runs better on that machine than uh, Win 7 ever did. Uh, But the wife had a little party the other night with uh, some of her friends. I think it was a book party. And they were looking for new books. And so she handed out the tablets to the to the women folk that were there so that they could check out different books. And uh, so there was a, I wandered into the house to have a whole bunch of tablets in action at once. So you have your motion computing tablet, you have the, the build tablet, and you have the PDC sort of little Acer convertible yeah. tablet. I don't, I, I, the motion computing machine I'm finally retiring. After three years and about a half a million miles on the road, it doesn't owe me anything anymore. Yeah. I'm switching to an Ultrabook. So you, you, uh, oh, good. So you passed out these things and they were using what? The Kindle reader? I did not pass them out. I was, uh, it, it, it was, uh, the wife that did it all. I found, I came back later, but that's what they were doing was surfing the web looking for other books to read. Oh, cool. Because it was a book club. It's just interesting to see, you know, regular mortals using Win 8. Yeah. And, and especially with kids, man, they're just so naturally drawn to tablets and they, touch. they think nothing of it, right? It's just normal. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Well, brave new world. So, um, what can I tell you about the last last time we uh, recorded a show, just for the tablet show, was a, quite a few weeks ago, and um, um, I still, you know, it's I just I'm just realizing how incredibly early we are to the game in terms of Windows eight. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, the the build tablet doesn't pre- present like you can't connect it to an external projector with any degree of success. Only if that projector has HDMI input. Then that even, seems to work. Yeah, and even so, some you know you're you're taking your chances with that. Yeah. So um, we did get it to work in Sweden, um, but but it's been very difficult. Otherwise, the whole uh, conversion to VGA has been abysmal. Yeah, converters are a problem. But if you can get a native device, I've had more success. And drivers are a problem too. Like I tried to install Windows 8 on my TouchSmart. And it installed fine, and it runs great, but there's no touch. Yeah. And there's no help or no documentation. Well, that's an old saw. You've already heard that story. Yeah, and it, and it's just pre-release software. It's not even beta. Uh, the, right. the current rumor mill says uh, beta in February. Wow. So I'm great. excited. They said it probably somewhere in first quarter, but, you know, no no guarantees. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting more bits. And, you know, the big thing with beta is, most likely, and I'm purely projecting here, just looking at historical data, they'll throw yeah. it up for anybody to have. 
That's okay. probably going to happen, yeah. I mean, they did it with seven. They'll probably do it with eight, and uh, the, the fun will begin. But there's no better way. When we're talking about an operating system, the challenge is what hardware will it run on? What problems right. does it have? And there's no better way than throwing it out to the to the crazy world to uh, explore and, and uh, manipulate it and see what happens. There's also a rumor that HP is working on Windows 8 devices. You know, the next version of the Touch Smart, for example. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to see it across the board. All right, so I I think just the the realization that I'm getting here is it's very early. Like we don't have the downloads that we thought we would have for the tablet show. That just is very indicative of how early we are to the game. So yep. in the meantime, so in the meantime we're going to try to bring you some more content that's focused on iOS and Android. And uh to that point, our first guest is here to tell us why he switched. Atlee Hunter is a solution architect and mobile developer with a focus on development process. He has over 15 years of development experience as of this recording, using a variety of technologies, and enjoys creating innovative solutions to business problems. In addition to being a Microsoft Windows Phone MVP, Atlee develops for Android and has always believed that the more flexibility and experience across platforms and technologies one has, the better they are able to create the correct solution to any technical challenge. Always exhibiting a driving passion for technology and software development, Atlee enjoys sharing his experience with others on his blog, atleyhunter.com, A-T-L-E-Y, hunter.com, via Twitter, at atleyhunter, linkedin.com, slash in, slash atleyhunter, and many in-person events. Welcome, Atlee. Thanks. Uh Thanks a lot. I'm actually really, really happy to be here. I'm uh, really excited about the new show and uh, just really, really happy to uh, be around and doing development at this time in the game. It is exciting times. Definitely. Fantastic times. So tell us your experience with, you know, your your frustrations with, uh, um, with well, maybe not your frustrations, but just tell us about your experiences with .NET and then moving over to Android and iOS and and what what was the whole process that you went through? Well, um, I've been a .NET developer for quite a long time, and uh, I started developing on the phone fairly, uh, the Windows Phone, fairly soon after it came out. And I used to actually develop on Windows Mobile as well as early as uh, Windows Mobile 3.0. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've I've experienced uh, that that uh, those challenges and some of those pain points as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do have to say though is. Uh, as, as a .NET developer, we're very spoiled. Yeah. Um, yes, we are. The tools are amazing. The, uh, the the frameworks are incredible. They're mature. They're robust. They're easy mm. to use. They're easy to get into. And um, sometimes, uh, sometimes it seems like it's, uh, it might be a little bit too easy. I've, I've rolled out a number of Windows Phone apps, and uh, I was looking for uh, some other things, some other challenges. And someone actually asked me if I was interested in doing an event for uh, uh, for Android TO, and uh, I said sure, that'd be great. So I decided to dive headlong into Android, and uh, I sort of do that. I des- I dive headfirst into something, and hopefully don't hit bottom. So you're saying you're a little obsessive? Who who was like that, Richard? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know anybody like that. That's just <laughs> the strangest thing. I like yeah. to say that I have uh, I have OCADD. Uh, I have incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly focused on things for short periods of time, and then I move on. Well, you know, you know, you're obsessed when you look up at the clock, and it's four thirty in the morning. You know, uh, 
No, you know your obsession. You look up at 4.30 in the morning, and you're not sure whether it's the same day. Yeah. Which 4.30? <laughs> which, which 4.30 is that? <laughs> if you didn't have a window in your room, you didn't know whether it was night or day. No, I actually I had a situation uh, last Labor Day weekend where um, I got involved in a technical problem, and I sort of buried myself actually in a, a, a data center. And uh, when I finally came out... Uh, it turned out I've been there for 37 and a half hours. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, I do I do tend to lose track of time fairly easily. But uh, one of the nice things I did find is that moving from C-sharp to Java was uh, way easier than I ever would have thought it was. Hmm. Uh, the languages are very close and they're very, very comparable. And and I found, I found that process really easy. Uh, moving from Visual Studio to Eclipse, though. Ouch, yeah. Not exactly the same uh, sense of ease and and uh, and uh, familiarity. Um, the the way that uh, the files are held and the way everything's portrayed and laid out is, is quite different. So there's a, there's a little bit of challenge there, and I think there's a there's a little bit of a learning curve there for anybody who's going into it. But it, once you actually get it uh, and and try to stop thinking about it in terms of how Visual Studio lays things out. It actually does make a lot of sense. Eclipse is actually fairly well designed. It's not as old as Visual Studio, and it doesn't uh, maybe have uh, uh, the same polish, but it's uh, it's still a pretty good development tool. Now, did you ever consider using Mono for Android? Actually, the funny thing is, is uh, I have I have sort of a rule that if I go to a new technology, I never go using what I already know. I go in using what I'm supposed to know if I was starting that technology over. So, um, case in point, uh, I, I was used to uh, get mad at people that use wizards before they understood how to actually, how everything actually worked because right. I spent a lot of time going in and fixing code for people that had run a wizard and then tried to change something they thought was simple. Yeah. So, to that end, I wanted to, I wanted to understand what was going on first. Look, I mean, I'm not saying that I won't use mono, and I actually started looking at mono a little bit lately, but, um, and, and it's quite possible that I may use that for, you know, porting existing applications over and, and doing things that maybe have a tighter timeline when I have to, I already have the existing code when I move it over. But I think for myself, and I think also for other developers, it's good to actually, uh, you know, put yourself in the, uh, in the actual environment, put the in the native environment. If you're going to write a native app, you should understand how to actually write a native. Well, what about using a different IDE, like the JetBrains IDEs, for example? Uh, that's actually probably going to be one of my next things. Is I want to explore other IDEs. I just when I when I asked uh, people that did develop for Android, uh, you know, put the put the call out there and said who who develops for Android, what do you recommend? And uh, I, I pretty much got Eclipse resoundingly. Um, so that's sort of where I started, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm starting to look at some of the other tools because, um, I do find some of, uh, some of the things are not exactly the way I would like them in, in Eclipse. I mean, I think that the, uh, the UI, uh, development is, uh, could be different Could be, you know, I'm looking for a, a better UI development environment. Is this yeah. generally the challenge with constructing phone apps is building the UI? The, the, the UI designers are just not that good. I mean, can you even argue that with WinPhone Seven? It's not; it's still not as strong as uh, as regular development. No, it's really not. It's really not. But um, and that's that's the thing that uh, that you've got to get to too is because uh, a lot of developers developers have actually started to see this. And I kind of find it kind of frustrating is uh, developing a tablet app or a, a mobile device app and designing it so 
sort of exactly the way you would design a desktop app or a web app. And, really? And I mean, I think that that's part of the reason why I like to jump headfirst into the native framework of whatever I'm developing for, because yeah. you really do have to think about it new. And that's one of the reasons I became a developer is to try new things. To I love problems. I love solving problems. And, yeah. you know, nothing's a bigger problem than going, okay, I don't know how to do any of this and I have to do something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it pays not to be impatient in a, in a situation like that. Although sometimes it's my impatience that, that f- fires me up and motivates me to, to find the next thing. The problem with that, of course, is you know, something that you have no idea how long it's going to take and you make your best guess, it always ends up being three times longer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I think, though, that um, mobile is a completely different piece for developers. And um, well, I think that one of the big things, especially with the new application markets and the fact that applications are now so inexpensive and people buy them and throw them away or buy them. And then with social networking and all of the other things that are available, it's so easy to now know whether your UI catches on or works uh, or to, to know whether you've created a good user experience. And, and it's actually, I think it changes your focus as a developer from being, I know what I'm doing to now when I look at every single project, I go, I have no idea. And yeah. I have to start from scratch and I really have to think, I don't, Really, like I, I've realized that um, the users don't care what I think. True. They don't care what I think is right. It really has to be about what's going to be easy for them. And so you've got to really take things into account that we've never had to take into account. Like, how do people hold things? And how do people, like, ooh, what interests people? How much information do they want to see? And I find that as developers, a lot of times we tend to throw way too much information on the screen. Yeah. And we give them way too many options. And we've got to learn that. Um, and that's one of the things that I've tried to focus on with my new development is learn to make things very simple, very uh, very quick and easy adoption. One of the things that uh, I like is uh, from some of the sessions I've heard from uh, Windows Phone development is being predictable and obvious is not a bad thing. Hmm. Well, especially when you're talking about UI design. But, you know, I think the big thing you hit on here is that we are still struggling for guidelines. We spent a lot of years as Windows developers under very strict guidelines on how UI was supposed to work, which is one of the reasons it was predictable and and reliable. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now we've, you know, since WPF, we were sort of tossed to the wind. They're only now now. just starting to rope it back in. Now it's really a race to see what designs people come up with, you know, because nobody really has a, a clear idea. I mean, there are some people that are leading the way. Um, Atlee, can you do us a, uh, try to, try to do this for us for a C sharp developer who's never done any Java or maybe fooled around with a little Java, just like in a text editor, or maybe even Eclipse. Take us through the process of developing an Android app in Eclipse. You know, you can spare us all the technical details, but give us some sense of what, what, what the steps are, you know, in terms of, coding and tiers and solutions or projects, what the analogs are to to somebody who's just used to Visual Studio? Well, yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really uh, good way to look at it. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the things you're going to notice off the bat is with the, with the UI, you're going to have um, some of the names for some things that are very similar are, are different, like they call, instead of the Solution Explorer, they call it the, the Package Explorer. 
and and you'll end up with different packages that you actually have to uh, embed directly into uh, parts of your application. So um, you, you'll break your application down in, into pieces a little differently than you will in .NET. Okay. Uh, in .NET, you tend to have uh, forms that come out as individual forms, and in in, in Java, it seems that uh, you tend to almost do sections of your applications as individual whole pieces, uh, which is really great because it actually forces you to make things a little more modular, and you can end up reusing a lot of things. So is that sort of like an analog to having a different project for every form in Visual Studio? Um, well, not... It would almost be like having a, a project just for your data section and another project just for, let's say, your your editing features and then just another project just for your, uh, let's say, your graphing and your uh, certain display features. Like you, oh, okay. You end up dividing things up into sort of the, the tasks that they perform and it ends up uh, it ends up being really interesting because uh, when you do it that way, if you approach it the right way, you end up able to reuse an awful lot of things uh, right. into different projects. But uh, again, it's it's like any any other development that you're doing nowadays. You really want to try and separate your concerns, <laughs> and and I, I find that Eclipse actually forces you to in different ways than you you necessarily have to in .NET. Yeah, it sounds like they're forcing you to separate things in terms of their feature set, not necessarily their 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 file type or project type. Yeah, it's it's. It's an interesting. It's an interesting way of uh, of doing it, and an uh, interesting way of looking at it. Um, and I, I found it. Yeah, I found it uh, a little different, a little challenging at first. But then, when you actually get into it, it actually makes a lot of sense. And then you mm. find. I actually found that when I went back to .NET, um, I did things a little differently. I didn't necessarily separate everything out into projects, but I, I I thought about things a little differently, and and I found that actually really helped. Do you have the idea of um, of a control and uh, like a, a, a user control maybe, and then controls that you put on it like buttons and, or is it all just a blank slate with images and you have to do everything yourself? What 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 kind of what kind of higher level things do you have, if any? Well, I, I find that yeah, you could you could literally take everything and, and plunk it into one set, but it ends up um, not being Anywhere near as performant or as uh, or as malleable for a better sense of the word than if you do basically make user controls for each each group or or set of controls. Um, one of the the other big things that that sort of predicates that is because there are different screen sizes available in Android. Uh, so which sort of harkens back to the earlier days of uh, of Windows Mobile. And, and and also some Windows development where you have to allow for the fact that your screen size is not necessarily going to be the one that you're initially thinking of when you design your application. So you do have to take that into account. So this, um, the practice of separating things into user controls uh, or into, into control groups rather, uh, really does help to uh, to adapt to that model. And so you're saying dividing things up into user controls is more performant or less performant? Because I meant I heard you mention something about performance. Yeah, it it, it seems that um, you get better. It, it seems to respond better. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going based on the on the uh, the UI that uh, that I tested against. I was testing against three point one, uh, and uh, I mean that's the other thing is too that the, 
it seems to keep coming up so fast. It's uh, yeah. it, it's hard to test against them all. And I tested against uh, a couple of earlier versions as well. And it does seem to react better if you give it groups of controls instead of just trying to throw everything at the screen at once. Okay. It will it will it will bring things in. Uh, it just seems to bring things in a little more evenly. So you do have a standard set of controls like buttons and text boxes and scroll bars and things. Uh, you do have yeah you do have uh, well you have things like uh, text views instead of right. uh, instead of labels. I mean it, they they basically equate to pretty much the same thing. It's just I like see. Yeah, in in Windows Mobile where you have um, a text block instead of a text box or instead of yeah. a label. Uh, yeah. So there, there is that little bit of learning when it comes to understanding what the controls are uh, right. in relation to the controls you may be familiar with. But most, That's most the of easy the major stuff, ones though. are there. Yeah, the major ones are there, definitely. So that, that, that seems to me to be the easy syntactic stuff that, you know, you takes you all of an hour to figure out. And, yeah. um, and, and so you have your UI stuff. Are you responding to events like click events and uh you know touch things or is, is it is a sort of an event driven model just like c sharp uh, yeah it is it is more of a it is more of an event driven model as opposed to let's say if you're driving, writing something for xna or, or or some of the maybe the uh the the uh functional uh languages where huh. it does it is looking for response it is looking for reactions it's looking for input from the user. Uh, so in that respect, like I said, in, in a lot of respects, it's very similar in the overall structure. Yeah. Now, what I've found with a number of these languages is once you learn your base elements, you know, how to do a loop, how to do a check, how to do a, you know, some of the basic functions, the rest of yeah. it just becomes syntactic. This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems. All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. Do you miss Link? I do. <laughs> <laughs> nice oh one. God. Just punched know, him right in the gut. Actually, right now I'm working on a database application, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't have to anything for Link right now. <laughs> uh, I, I, they can't have my first. Well, actually, they could have my first one, but she's 16 now. Yeah, it's tricky. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I miss, I miss Link. I miss, uh, the, the easy functionality of that. And, uh, what it does yeah. do though, um, the, the way that data is handled in Android, um, there's several different ways to do everything, just like mm -hmm. there is 
pretty much with any evolved language right now. Right. Um, so you do really have to play around to see what's going to be the be- give you the best performance based on what it is you're actually trying to do. Um, one thing I did find with Java that I found less with um, with .NET right now is that um, you're forced to think it out a little more just sure. because things are not necessarily as obvious as they may be. And also, it could just be that I'm so familiar with .NET mm-hmm, that, right. uh, that I'm going to this and I'm like, oh, I've done that 30 or 40 times before. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I found that it really makes you look at that. And so I'm actually experimenting right now with uh, working with uh, with object models and data models right now for a, for a project I'm doing for work. So you find yourself uh, dreaming up um, little frameworks that or framework pieces and reusable chunks that you can utilize. Do you spend a lot of time doing that? I, I do that. I do that actually a lot of time with any with any uh, platform uh, I'm working yeah. on. on um, I actually am getting ready to release a, a library for uh, for a Windows Phone also, which is called a Lazy Library. I tend to make mm. lazy libraries because I'm lazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I build libraries that do pretty much everything. And I can do it all with one line of code because I can't remember 13 or 14 lines of code. And I'm really tired of having to go and search for how I did something twice, (laughs) twice before, three times before. So, yeah, I'm doing that also with Android where I'm building up my own library and and trying to come up with uh, functionalities. But it's actually kind of funny because something I did with Android that I didn't do with .NET was... Even my libraries, I'm splitting my libraries up into basic functionalities. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm making a data library. I'm, I'm making a separate data library. I'm making a separate UI library. I'm making a separate, mm. you know, uh, mathematical library. So um, it's actually kind of funny because you follow the paradigms of the general structure of the language, like right, right through it, even even with things that you've done before a different way. Yeah. Hey, Atlee, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to do this in your Android explorations, but have you really tried to make an app run across multiple devices on the different versions of the OS and uh, and all those variations? I've, I've, I've only played with it across, uh, right now, what I'm working on, uh, the, the big project I'm working on right now for work is, is, is based on, on tablet only. Mm-hmm. So I haven't tried to go from tablet down to phone, which I think is is a big is probably the biggest challenge right. trying to make the right the right kind of application operate functionally properly both on a phone device and a tablet device because there's such a desperate size difference yeah mm-hmm. um, and because there's also desperate functionality difference I mean this is the well, one thing I'm thinking that that I was talking about earlier when we've got to start to think differently um, when you have a phone device versus or a phone application versus a tablet application mm-hmm. that's a completely different mindset because a phone device or a phone application needs to be performant and, and, and operational with one hand. In most right, cases. yep. Yeah, whereas thumb operation. Is, exactly, whereas a tablet is a different paradigm because a tablet, they're at least holding the tablet and they've got one hand free right. in, in most expectations of the use. Uh, or the tablet's placed down and you've got one hand free. And also the gestures you use with the tablet are much different than the ones you use with the phone. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I, I think you're talking just about a bigger description of apps in general, that tablet apps are not big phone apps and they're also not little pc apps yeah exactly yeah definitely and that's and that's the thing is that in in that in that respect yes that's a general that's just a general design and 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 architecture concept that just has to be adopted And, and and any developer that's working on newer features and newer device products right now really has to take that into effect because 
uh, the number of apps that I've seen, and I, I also have an, an iPad, and I've done the download 8,000 apps thing. Um, mm. And when you look through the apps, you'll see that a number of them are just literally the, the, the phone app built up to, and it is a actually totally different experience, and it is, in some cases, very frustrating. Right. So I have a Kindle Fire, and I mm-hmm. you know just got this, and I love it. But one of the problems that I have, and I have this with tablet apps in general, especially the little tablets, is that there's so much stuff around the periphery. You know, we talked about this, Richard, a couple of shows ago at Ordev, where you have the thumb space, you know, around the edges with where that's where your icons are. But the problem is, what if you just want to hold it and there's not enough room to hold it without firing an event somewhere? You know, I just want to put my finger on it somewhere where there's nothing. And, and so give me a little, is, carve out a little spot for me on the left and on the right where for my th- where my thumb can go and not not trigger anything. I completely agree with you. And the funny thing is, it's not just in the apps. In some cases, that's in the OSs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're actually in the main screen, and why the hell did I just open my email? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. And right. it's almost like uh, the designers of the devices themselves might need to make the dead space. Um, yeah. uh, now, most of the devices do have a certain amount of pattern. Like uh, one of the nice things about the design of the iPad and, and uh, uh, the Samsung uh, Galaxy tablets uh, are that they do have that space where the you know, in most cases your thumb has got room to sit so you can grab it. But right. uh, you've also got to, as a developer, take into allowance that that's assuming that someone's going to grab it with their actual thumb pad on that little space. And yeah. not stick their thumb out onto the screen, and you've got right. to, you've got to realize that there's there's zones where people are going to hold it and, and take that into account in your design. I, I think yeah, you're right. It, it comes down to hardware design first. I want enough border on the edges, so if I'm holding it with one hand, I can actually hold it. When mm-hmm. you know there's enough space on the border, but if I'm holding it with two hands, I can actually reach over the border and hit those thumb areas with with fairly. Uh, fairly high accuracy. Yeah, and that's, a, that's one of the things with the design of a like a seven-inch tablet. That's such a challenge because the idea of a seven-inch tablet is to keep it small, keep it compact, keep it just about right around the pocket size area. I mean, depending right. on how big your your jacket is. But um, with that, though, you tend to have less border. Yeah, yep. it's too big of a device for a lot of people that wrap their hands around like a phone. Right. So. As developers, we have to be aware of that. And if it's a seven-inch model that we're uh, screen resolution that we're taking into account, then we need to we need to realize that. So, uh, when it comes to the UI for these devices, uh, there are a lot of things to take into effect or uh, into account. Mm. And that's one of the challenge, big challenges that I find with Android because Android is the only one that has the multiple size device uh, hardware architecture. Well, for my Kindle, what I ended up doing is put a suction cup on the back of it, you know, so I can actually grab onto something and carry it around without wow, firing. Wow, that's a great idea. <laughs> Patent that. Patent that'll yeah. be one of the highest selling Kindle accessories. Yes, the, the five, you know, the 50 cent suction cup. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. You also recognize that the sills on the machine, you know, we, we're all about the you know, screen right to the edge, and yet mm-hmm. you actually need a sill. Yeah. yeah, it really is a, a certain width around that edge that is important for your hands. Yeah, oh, exactly, and 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 not just not just uh, like like you said, not just 
uh, allowing for the fact that you don't actually accidentally hit controls, but you can't be blocking the information the user's trying to see. Because uh, I'm sure holding uh, the Kindle right. in some respects when you're trying to read something, it can be frustrating because you get partway down the page, you're going to move your hand. Well, the Kindle Fire is small enough so that if you have big hands like me, you yeah. can actually hold it and span it, but your hand does get tired because you are stretching it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like... And some of these tablets, it's almost like you want them to come with like a, a kickstand on the back so yeah, that you right. can lean it up and just put it down somewhere. And it's got to be something that's sturdy enough that like if you want to, uh, the, the hardware manufacturers, I don't think are done. Um, I don't think that the, the yeah. device manufacturers have completely finished thinking it out. And, and if they have, then, you know, I'd actually like to, you know, go over and talk to them and say, hey, no, I don't think you finished this because there's some things that we could do and there's some things that we need to do. I also think that's a really compelling statement too that you know we have not seen the definitive hardware in this space yet. Yeah. So let's get back to um the development experience in Eclipse for Android for a second. Um do do we have access to all of the cloud services out there uh in Java? Do we have access to Azure and and Amazon? Actually it's kind of funny because Android TO, that was actually what my talk was on, was using the uh, Azure services for Android. And, uh, Sweet! The Android, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Android services for Azure are actually uh, really nicely done. And, wow, uh, And, yeah, they're available. What I'll do is I'll send you the link to them if you want to if you want to put them up on the... Uh, and on SQL the, Azure as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, everything, all of it. And do and, we have uh, a sort of an ADO.net-like kind of library for Java that that gives us access to that. There is, um, there, there actually is a whole data access library and everything else included. Plus, you get the source code for it all. It's, it's actually, it's really nice. It's very robust and it's, uh, okay. it's well thought out. I was actually surprised that they were able to put so much into it in such a short period of time. Uh, not that I, I really know exactly how much time they spent on it, but I mean, mm. it seems to be fairly quick to market when you when you look at the, you know, the age of Azure and the age of Android itself. So, well, that's great to know. Yeah, um, now, uh, I'm not really uh, too aware of the, uh, the other cloud services, but I, I, I have heard that, yes, there are other cloud services, but I do know that the, the, the Azure one is, is available and actually is very nicely, nicely done and nicely integrated. That's cool. Well, and yeah, and that's good. We, we've had a couple of shows where we talked about the fact that Azure is pretty platform agnostic. Like you, you, whatever you want to run, Azure can run. So it's. Well, yeah, there's, there's a, there's an iOS. Uh, toolkit for it. There's mm -hmm. the Android toolkit. There's uh, a fantastic toolkit for the phone. Um, yeah, and then the, then the platform itself is yeah. They, they've done a, they've done a great job uh, opening it up and making it available to anybody that wants to develop it for any device. Atlee, have you done any iOS development? Uh, a little bit because, uh, like I said, I like to work on the base tools and the base tool set and I, I I'm sorry to say that I got partway through a project and I gave up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> huh. What was the nail in the coffin for you if you don't mind? The fact that I turned around and did the exact same project on the Windows phone in three days and I spent mm -hmm. almost uh, four weeks in the iOS. Wow. I mean you gotta lay some of that at the feet of experience too, right? Oh yeah, so no definitely. Some of it's gotta be at the feet of my my experience and I, I mean I really I hadn't touched C at all in years. And so to go to Objective-C from .NET was a bit painful. Um, uh, I wasn't uh, as familiar with the tools, uh, but uh, I must say that 
uh, as a base development platform, that one has been the worst one so far for me. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it would be the worst one for anybody. Obviously, there's tons of people out there getting it. Apparently, I'm not either as smart or as dedicated as those guys. And and what is it, if you could sum it up in one sentence, what it was about that experience that was that was a real stumbling block for you, can you? Um. It just felt like I was programming 15 years ago. Really? Like it really did. It felt like I was doing everything. I mean, stuff that, like I said, I, I'm spoiled as a .NET developer. There's yeah. an awful lot of stuff that is just handled and just done for us. Things like memory power, management. Memory management. Yeah, memory management was a big pain point, especially when I, I was trying to do something that used data and 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 got stuff from the cloud. And and yeah, of course. Knowing me and wanting to jump in neck first, and, and uh, this is one point where I did bang my head on the bottom a bit. Um, I, I didn't pick an easy project. It wasn't like I went and tried to make a, a calculator or something. I was trying to, you mm. know, create something that you know observed uh, or that absorbed an no data feed and got data and had several screens. And yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was a little painful. But then I went and did the exact same thing in another platform in a matter of days. And uh, that to me was sort of like, okay, I think I'm going to go over back over here now and, and I'll, I'll come back to this later. Um, I think that for myself, uh, iOS may be the one platform where I go in because I know I'm actually going to have to do the same project I'm doing on Android. I'm going to have to do it on iOS as well. So you're going for MonoTouch? I was going to say I may end up just going in and defaulting to MonoTouch just to try and get this out the door in, in yeah. the time frame that I have, which I mean, it, it goes against what I like to do as a developer, but in but you know, cases, it does end up writing the same code. Yeah, you know, uh, not not your code, but it, it does end up writing, you know, a native app. I, I get that. I get that. My my big pain point is, you know, not knowing exactly what happened in the background. Uh, yeah. I tend to be kind of nosy that way. But I mean, yeah. I got to push on you here, Atlee, because you, now you hit the real constraint, which was you have an app you need to ship. Yeah, you're not just exploring for your own uh, OCADDness. Exactly, exactly. So it it does end up saying, okay, well now here's your project. You've got this timeline, and you've got to get it out the door in this right. timeline. So, like I said, that's probably where I'm going to probably end up using one of the interpretive tools. More importantly, I mean, where you can actually hit a deadline because you know how long things are going to take. Or I'll have a much more realistic idea of how long. Right. How okay, you'll take. have a a, a a known set of delusions. <laughs> you have a way with words, Mr. Campbell. That's a fantastic phrase. I'm going to use that a lot. Actually. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to put that one over my desk because I, think that I have a known thing. set of delusions. Is that it? Okay. That's fantastic. Living with a known set of delusions. That's awesome. <laughs> I think I, I said that. To... Right there. <laughs> <laughs> It's when your delusions are not known. That's yes. the problem. <laughs> yeah. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, how is the, and this is the one thing that I love talking to Java developers about, how's the generic support? I don't even know, know what it, can't remember what it's called, but. Um, I, I honestly, I haven't delved very much into that yet. Um, okay. But uh, I've heard that it's a little more challenging. <laughs> Could be part of the reason why I haven't delved into it quite yet. It's just the stuff that I've been working on hasn't really needed it to that okay. extent. Um, my my um, my new project that we're starting will probably need it. So if you were to talk to me in a month, I could probably give you a, a much better idea. But yeah, at this point, yeah. I really haven't explored. Okay. 
So um, you're fairly confident that any anybody who's pretty fluent in C Sharp can download, just go and download Eclipse because it's free, right? Yeah, the Eclipse is free. The toolkits are all free. Um, Android, or sorry, uh, Google has done a, a pretty good job of supplying a, a good set of videos and, and some getting started things and some code and stuff like that that I've used pretty heavily oh, to cool. look at and pull apart. Um, and also, if you're a .NET developer and you've been using either WPF or, or um, even uh, doing ASP.NET development, one of the nice things is the UI is done in XML. So, yeah. I mean, you'll you'll be familiar with that. I mean, there's there's good and bad about. Uh, I've heard people say horrible things about the emulator and, and Android, but I actually have found the emulator, depending on what you're emulating, to be fairly good. I've had a couple that literally just blow right out on me, but you know, you actually get emulators for each individual hardware manufacturer's device, which is actually kind of an interesting thing. That is cool. So like there's a separate emulator for the Galaxy, then there's a separate emulator for the uh, the kit. There'll be I don't know if it's available yet, but I would imagine there'll be a separate emulator for the Kindle Fire because there's also a separate emulator for the the Acer Android device. It's actually it's pretty interesting because they they do look exactly like the individual devices, so you get a, a pretty good idea. So I was actually very impressed about that. Because I remember, uh, as I said, from doing development in older days in Windows Mobile, there were 30 different Windows Mobile devices with different screen sizes and whatever yeah. else. And you got a very generic-looking emulator that you weren't really sure how close it was going to be. These ones actually seem a lot closer than I than I expected originally. And from what I understand, deployment um, for testing is easy. You just run it right on the device. There's no yeah, it's actually, process yeah, there's, you go through. Yeah, yeah. there's no... There's, there's, there's very little... To uh, to block you from it, which yeah. I mean is a good good thing and a bad thing because it is. you're thinking that someone gets hold of your finished product, it's really easy to sideload it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, it does it does uh, it does make for a, an easier development environment in that aspect. Well, very good. One thing that it, even if you're if you're a .NET developer and you're working on on any platform, you should really be looking at all the platforms. Um, I think one of the big things that we we look at now is uh, uh, we've got, we're we're sort of segregating ourselves a lot as developers, and we mm-hmm. we say, well, this is the platform; it's the only good one. And the fanboy attitude is sort of, you know, getting tired. Yeah, don't believe in the one right way. Right, there's no such thing. It's just, it, I mean, even even if you're a .NET developer. You, you should be um, aware of the fact that even Microsoft doesn't think there's just one way to do anything because if you look at .NET, there's always eight or nine different ways you can approach a different problem. Sure. You, need to, you know, one of the reasons that uh, uh, I became a developer is because I like the challenge. I like to learn something. I like to get outside my comfort zone. I like to explore a little bit. I like to attack mm. things from a different angle. And I think that a lot of us as developers, we tend to get into development as a career and then we get very stagnant. We sort of sit in one realm where we do, you know, we punch out these reports and we punch out these crud apps and we, you know, right. we, we do this and we get very comfortable. And I think it's, it's really nice to be able to get out once in a while and just explore and go, wow, that's way over here. And um, the number of developers that I've talked to where I say, hey, have you tried this? And I like, no, I haven't. I haven't even looked at that. Does that that's even available? And I've had that myself where I was just at a, an event a little while ago and someone said, oh, you can do this. And I said, really? That's possible? And so, I mean, get out there, explore, see new things. I mean, 
test your brain, you know, get out and exercise yeah. your brain less. So don't, don't, you know, I know yeah. we all, we all work hard and, and we have, you know, long days, but every once in a while, take a day and just explore, see what else is out there. I totally agree. And, uh, if you can't take a day, take a night. <laughs> Pretty soon it'll be four thirty in the morning. Yeah, and you're, uh, a day and a night, exactly. <laughs> or a day and a night and a day. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's a long weekend before. Nobody's expecting you for at least seventy-two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, Atlee, thank you very much for spending this time with us. Always happy to uh, anytime. Fantastic. And we'll see you next time on the Tablet Show. It's not too much.